Welcome to Monday Morning Murder in the News with Alyssa Carroll. Good morning, heathens, and happy Murder in the News Monday that I've been releasing every Monday morning because the rest of the regular news is just hot, scary garbage, and you know you'd rather be hearing me and my bullshit anyway. I collect news articles along with articles sent to me by you, my beloveds, and others, so thank you for submitting. And as I always say, and it is always true, Unlike my regular podcast that I write out in its entirety before I record, you're welcome, this is unscripted, and I don't read the articles past the headlines so you and I can react together. So let's go. So this first one was sent to me by a listener, but it is in Apple News from the actual app. And it says, Stench leads officials to 189 rotting corpses at taxidermist's funeral home. And I think we've all kind of heard about this, right? That hasn't there been more than one, like two or three, where they have found bodies just piled up in these funeral homes or something? I know I've heard about it more than once. So this one says, one family who received ashes aren't sure if they're the cremains cremains of a loved one. So authorities on Tuesday reported removing the improperly stored remains of at least... 189 people from a southern Colorado funeral home where the owner said he practiced taxidermy. 189 people. Just imagine how many people that actually is. The home, the Return to Nature funeral home in Penrose, Colorado, had claimed to conduct environmentally friendly, quote, green burials. It first came to the attention of local authorities after reports of a putrid smell pouring from the company's neglected building. On October 4th, local and federal authorities executed a search warrant and initially found 115 improperly stored bodies at the facility, which is around 100 miles south of Denver and sits in Fremont County. That same day, a Colorado state official, Zen Mayhew, the program director of the Office Funeral Home and Crematory Registrations, spoke directly with the owner and operator of Return to Nature, John Halford. In the conversation, Halford acknowledged that he had a, quote, problem at the facility and claimed he practiced taxidermy there. In an order of summary suspension, and that is highlighted in red, by the way, from the state, Mayhew noted that the facility has operated without a license since last November, so almost a year. He also reported that Halford attempted to conceal the improper storage of human remains at the facility. The order barred Return to Nature from continuing operations. And then in quotes it says, horrific. In an October 6th press conference, Fremont County Sheriff Alan Cooper said what they discovered while executing the search warrant was, quote, very disturbing and horrific. One deputy coroner immediately developed a rash upon entering the facility and needed to seek medical treatment, but later recovered. Yikes. Mark McCaleck, FBI Denver's special agent in charge, added at the press conference that, quote, we all have the same questions, including the identity and total number of victims, as well as why the situation occurred. The investigation is expected to take several months and is said to focus on supporting the affected families. 
Cooper indicated at the time that the facility was a vast 2,500 square feet facility, basically, and would first require hazard mitigation before investigators could even begin their work in earnest. The investigation was planned to include federal forensic teams and specialized equipment. Once made safe, the facility would be processed as a crime scene, and after evidence is collected and documented, human remains would be treated in a quote dignified way, and securely transported for identification and family notification. In an update Tuesday, Cooper and Fremont County Coroner Randy Keller reported the updated number of remains found, stated as quote at least. 189 individuals, so at least, which have now been removed to the county coroner's office. But they cautioned that the total number of decedents could change as the identification and investigative processes continue. End quote. And that is kind of interesting to me because how far gone were these people, and that they can't really be sure how many people were there. You get what I'm saying? You get what I'm saying? So family notifications are expected to begin in the next several days. Oh, I'd be so pissed! Suspicious ashes is the next title. Last week, the Denver Post reported the case of Jesse Elliott, who was a client of the Return to Nature Funeral Home in Colorado Springs, which was also run by Halford and his wife Carrie. Elliott turned over the remains of his 76-year-old mother, a Buddhist environmentalist, who requested her ashes be spread on the Hawaiian island of Oahu. Elliott was quickly suspicious of the couple, who refused to let him visit the funeral home. Carrie later delivered an inexplicably hefty package of ashes of Elliott's 92-pound mother. The package did not contain the metal tags used to track the deceased through cremation, nor did Carrie provide a cremation certificate. And Elliot said Carrie, who initially delivered the ashes with a quote huge smile, then became defensive when he questioned the cremation process. That would have been a big red flag for me too. Most people that are in whatever kind of business that are proud of their business are certainly happy to answer questions. Anyway. Elliot's mother's death certificate said Return to Nature had used Wilbert Funeral Services for the cremation, but a representative for Wilbert said they had never handled those remains. In fact, they had stopped working with Return to Nature seven months before Elliot's mother died. Jesse's sister eventually took the ashes to a funeral home in Georgia, where the operator said they didn't appear to be human. Though no forensic testing was performed, despite their doubts, the family scattered some of the ashes in Hawaii as their mother requested. Law enforcement has since told Elliot to hold on to the remainder of the ashes as the investigation continues. Quote, "I want my mother's remains back," he said, "so we can do this all over again and put her to rest." End quote. So it actually said "see comments." I'm wondering if there were any comments. Nope. Oh, here's comments. Somebody said, "I don't even have a joke for this. Stories like this of corpse neglect in the death industry crop up from time to time, and they're just sad every time." Someone else said, "This story has been in the local news for a few weeks now. My heart goes out to the friends and family. Quite the body of evidence against him, but I'm ting." Okay. Anyway, moving on. 
Our next article comes from People.com. Title reads, Florida Boy. So here we are already on Florida. 13 years old. Allegedly confesses to stabbing his mother to death in her sleep. The victim was identified by authorities as Irina Garcia. So, a 13-year-old boy in Florida confessed to stabbing his mother to death as she slept Thursday night, police say, according to multiple outlets. The boy, who has not yet been publicly identified, called police and told them he killed his mother, reported Local 10, NBC Miami, and WSVN. The boy's mother was identified by authorities in reports as Irina Garcia, 39. When police arrived at the scene, they found Garcia dead next to a crib where there was a two-week-old baby who was unharmed, the outlets reported. Oh, thank God. NBC Miami, citing a police department spokesperson, reported that the baby was the teen's half-sister. According to the police spokesperson, the 13-year-old is a middle school honor student and was apologetic when officers arrived. Quote, we don't know. That's something that we're still trying to figure out. Police spokesperson Eddie Rodriguez, addressing a possible motive, told NBC, quote, he did not say why he did this. All he did was call 911 and advise what he did. So NBC reported that the boy is likely to face a second degree murder charge. And that was the entire article. So, our next article also comes from People.com, and the title reads, Police Search for Man Accused of Murdering Sandlot Actor's Mom. There is a nationwide manhunt underway. Quote, The emotions I have are horrible right now between rage, vengeance, crying, wrote Marty York on Instagram. So a search has begun for the man accused of murdering the mother of the Sandlot actor, Marty York. The Del Norte Norte County Sheriff's Office announced in a post on Facebook that Deanna Ismail, York's mother, was found dead in her home on Thursday morning. While the department advised that they cannot release further details because it is an ongoing homicide investigation, they shared that Ismail's boyfriend, Daniel James Walter, also known as Edward Patrick Davies, 54, is a suspect in the case. I mean, he has two names, right, that are not even remotely the same. So, yeah, I would say it was probably the boyfriend. They advised that a warrant was signed by the Honorable Judge Darren McElfresh for his arrest and included his wanted poster with the social media post to aid in the search for his whereabouts. According to their announcement, although authorities were able to locate Walter's vehicle on Friday, he does remain at large. So the poster states that Walter is 6 feet, 180 pounds, and was last seen in Crescent City, California, where he left on foot, dressed in a white jacket, blue jeans, and wearing a beret-style hat. York, 43, asked his followers to conduct, no, to contact authorities immediately if Walter is spotted in a heartfelt post on Instagram. Quote, This is the hardest post I'll ever have to write, but I found out from the sheriff department last night that my mother was murdered. The emotions I have are horrible right now between rage, vengeance, crying. There is a nationwide manhunt underway. Please, if you've seen this man, contact the authorities immediately. End quote. 
So he added in the comments section, I just want my mom back and three crying faces. Oh my gosh, that's rough. That's rough. Ismail was sworn in as a deputy with the Del Norte County Sheriff's Office in March 2021. At the time, the department shared an image from the ceremony on Facebook and explained that Ismail, quote, always had a strong desire to be a law enforcement officer, end quote. She, it shows here where she's got her hand up taking her oath or whatever, and she's just a tiny thing. She's just a tiny thing. Quote, in 2016, she saw a recruitment flyer featuring a female law enforcement officer and decided it was time for her to make her lifelong goal a reality, the Post explained, adding that Ismail had previously worked in the film industry. Quote, she believes that the culmination of her life experiences has prepared her to serve well as a deputy. She said, it's time for me to take everything I have learned in my life and help other people. End quote. Oh, wow. In a statement shared in the department's announcement about Ismail's death, Sheriff Scott extended his condolences to her family. Quote, we are all deeply heartbroken with the loss of Deputy Ismail. Our hearts and prayers go out to her family, friends, and co-workers, the statement read. That's super sad. Okay, so this next article, um, I only recognize that I did not read the article. I promise you I don't. But when, I can't remember if someone sent this one to me, but I think that I found this one on my own. But I recognize the faces in it. So I know this has to do with the guy that was um, watching, there was like an upstairs neighbor, grown son, watching another neighbor's kids playing outside or his daughter playing outside. And he was like, you know jerking the merkin if you know what i'm saying anyway i think that this has to do with that so it says this is from insideedition.com and the title reads dad charged with murdering family of four after claiming teen son exposed himself to wife wants charges dismissed the dad who murdered the family wants the charges dismissed so the murders occurred five days after I can't say that name, Kaler's wife, Kaylee, indicated in a Facebook post that Devin Smith, 18, quote, had exposed himself, was shaking his penis and masturbating through window in front of her and her juvenile daughters, end quote. Yep, see, I told you. So an Idaho man, and side note, what in the fuck is going on in Idaho? You know, I have a friend that lives outside of Boise, and I've never known Idaho to have so much drama, and now all of a sudden, it's like, it's just insanity. Off topic. An Idaho man charged with murdering a family of four after claiming their teenage son exposed himself is asking that two of the charges be dismissed from the case. Uh, Marjorie John Allen Kaler, 32 argues that the charges of first-degree murder as they pertain to two members of the family are not warranted according to a motion to dismiss obtained by Inside Edition Digital. So Kaler and his attorney say in their motion that prosecutors have offered no evidence or proof that his decision to kill Kenna and Kenneth Guardipi was, quote, perpetrated by means of poison, lying in wait, torture, or execute vengeance to extort something from the victim to satisfy some sadistic inclination by any kind of willful, deliberate, and premeditated killing or in the course of the commission of qualifying felony, end quote. The killings occurred a few days after Kaler's wife, Kaylee Kaler, 
indicated in a Facebook post that Devin Smith, 18, quote, had exposed himself, was shaking his penis, and masturbating through the window in front of her and her juvenile daughters, according to the affidavit of probable cause. Smith was the son of Kenna and grandson of Kenneth. These people and their names. The police had responded to the incident and investigated according to the affidavit of probable cause, but five days later, Kaler confronted Kenna and Kenneth about Devin. Kaler told police he, quote, was upset that they didn't seem to take his concerns with Devin Smith seriously and that he snapped, quote, lost it and did something about it, according to the probable cause affidavit. Kaler's wife told police that her husband, quote, had a holstered gun on his person when he confronted Kenna and Kenneth and said she was standing near her husband when she heard gunshots and saw the two fall to the ground, according to the affidavit. Kenneth and Kenna both had apparent gunshot wounds to the right temple area, which appeared to have been fired in close proximity, according to the affidavit. So point blank, basically. Kaler then moved inside the house where police believe he first killed a 16-year-old Iken Smith who was shot point-blank or near point-blank range while lying on the floor in prone position. And finally, Devin Smith, according to the affidavit. Devin, quote, had been shot multiple times from close range, and police believe that Kaylor would have likely had to deliberately change magazines and or reload magazines in order to continue shooting and discharge the number of rounds which were identified to have been fired during the homicide, says the affidavit. It's very detailed. Police also note in the probable cause affidavit that they found, quote, both blood and tissue on the pistol consistent with close range shot or shots. Kaler confessed to killing all four members of the family, according to police. He has entered a plea of not guilty to the charges of first-degree murder last month. Unlike another man who was facing four counts of first-degree murder and also pled not guilty in the state, Brian Koberger, I don't want to Brian Koberger, next. I'm going to cover Brian. I promise that I will. I've actually had a couple of people like, hey, when are you going to get to this? I haven't forgotten. It's just that he's doing so much stalling and just beating around the bush and pussyfooting around that it's really quite frustrating. So I will cover him, I promise. But next, the next one comes from HuffPost.com. Title reads, Man allegedly killed wife amid tension over home reno reality show appearance. Great. David Trones, Trones believed appearing on zombie house flipping would be a lifeline, prosecutor said as he went on trial for Shanty Cooper Trones murder. A Florida man, Florida, looking at you, killed his wife after she was dismissive of his plans to participate in a house flipping reality TV show that he believed would save them from the money pit their home had become, prosecutor said. He killed his wife after she was dismissive about wanting to be on that show. The murder trial of David at 55 began this week in Orlando with opening statements from prosecutors. Defense attorneys chose to defer their statement until later in the trial. This man has pleaded not guilty to first-degree murder in the 2018 death of his wife, 39-year-old Shanti, 
whom he'd been married to for about a year. So according to prosecutors, he initially told investigators that his wife had, quote, passed out and fallen in the bathtub on April 24th, 2018, one week after she walked out of a meeting with a contractor who worked for the reality show Zombie House Flipping, which I've not heard of, and I like house flipping stuff. A lifeline, he said, was counting on to save the home, Prosecutor Michael Smith said. So, First responders questioned this man's account from the start, saying that they immediately saw that his wife had been the victim of a, quote, violent attack and had multiple injuries, including a huge, in quotations, a huge wound on her face and bruising around her neck. A medical examiner determined she had died from blunt force trauma to her head and strangulation. So this dude paid the sixty thousand, no, six hundred thousand dollars in cash for the four thousand square foot house, with a pool and garage apartment in the picturesque Orlando neighborhood of Delaney Park, but refused to add his wife's name to the deed. Prosecutor said. Soon after he purchased the house, the quote real meat of the renovation or ultimately destruction of the home took place. This house became more than just a project to David. It was his life. Ryan Vesco, who led the investigation into her death, he told this to 48 Hours. David was obsessed with the renovation, but his wife was financing it. This man said sinking nearly $250,000 of her own money into the project, but she couldn't have her name on it? Excuse me? So David believed that if the house were on zombie house flipping, its value would increase by tens of thousands of dollars, adding that this idea came with a catch, the couple's full participation. But because the wife was, quote, not in on it, according to prosecutors, well, then her husband killed her. The wife, who shared custody of her eight-year-old son with her ex-husband, was the sole breadwinner of the household, working as a financial and accounting consultant, while David did not have a job. Fantastic. And because of the renovations, she lived and worked in the garage apartment where she shared a bunk bed with her son. Investigators said David lived in another part of the house with the couple's dogs, whom he claimed to be walking and taking to the park at the time authorities said the wife was killed. Quote, they took away all the interior dividing walls and basically what was left was a two-story shell, the zombie house flipping contractor guy told 48 Hours. David was living a lie, authorities said, misrepresenting his finances and lifestyle. In police interviews, WFTV WFTV reported that the wife's stepfather said David lied about being a multimillionaire. Quote, he always claimed he had millions, but Shanti bought everything. So before and throughout their marriage, authorities said David frequented a gay spa, including the day after his March 22, 2017 wedding. And then apparently again, less than two weeks before his wife was killed. The couple met online when David lived in Minnesota and he eventually moved to Florida to be with her, authorities said. So he's with her for the money and then he murdered her. 
David was initially found incompetent to stand trial due to ongoing manifestations of the diagnosis of schizophrenia, his defense attorney said, based on evaluations by two psychiatrists. In May 2022, however, a judge ruled that he was competent following treatment at a state hospital and moved forward with the trial. That's the end of the article. Wow. And then, sorry, I didn't notice that this actually connects with a previous article. Again, I just open these once I read the titles and just leave them, leave the tab open in my Safari on my phone, right? So this one goes with that teenager that killed his mom and the newborn baby. You remember? So this is from Newsweek.com. The title is Teen Fatally Stabs His Sleeping Mom in Front of Newborn Sister. So he stabbed her. 13-year-old fatally stabbed his mother last week as she slept in their Florida apartment while the teen's two-week-old sibling was in the same room. The teenage suspect called the police around 11.30 p.m. on October 12th and confessed that he just killed his mom in their home at the Amalia Oaks apartment in Hialeah, Florida, according to the police department. His mother's body was discovered with multiple stab wounds in front of the baby's crib. The teen suspect, who is still not identified due to his age, was taken into custody at the scene. As of Saturday, the 13-year-old is facing a charge of second-degree murder as a juvenile for his mother's slaying. However, the police department investigators and state prosecutors will determine whether he will be tried as an adult for first-degree murder, which requires premeditation. So the investigation is ongoing. During questioning, the teen told detectives that he stabbed his mother while she was asleep in her bedroom with his newborn sister feet away in her crib. After the killing, the suspect allegedly took photos of his mom's body and sent the images to a friend via social media and admitted to the friend over the phone that he killed her, according to the arrest report. So when officers arrived at the apartment, uh, a city of more than 200,000 in Miami-Dade County, Florida, they found the 39-year-old mother, identified as Irina Garcia, dead in her bedroom next to the baby's crib. The newborn, who is the suspect's half-sister, was unharmed. I'm very thankful for that. The mother's husband, the teen's stepfather, is a truck driver who was working in Georgia when the slaying occurred. Quote, this is heartbreaking. I never would have imagined something like this, a 13-year-old child taking his mother's life. It's a very sad story, end quote. That was a quote from the stepdad. So they're still trying to determine the teen's motive for the slaying, adding that there is no indication as to why he killed his mother. Quote, we cannot say why this happened, Rodriguez said. We can say that he called 911 and advised us what he did. The teen was known as a good kid, eighth grader, uh, from what I understand, there were no other calls to the apartment, and people here said he was a good kid. And as far as we know, there were no mental health issues. It makes no sense. We're still scratching our heads as to what brought this on. Me too. I'd love to know why. If he's a good kid, no issues, no problems, no behavioral stuff, why would he do that? Inquiring minds want to know. Our next article comes from FingerLakes1.com. The title reads... Wayne County woman accused of assaulting five-year-old in child abuse case. So deputies arrested an Ontario woman following an investigation into alleged child abuse. Leslie Densmore, 37, Densmore, 
Isn't that from Great Expectations? Leslie Densmore, 37, has been charged with a felony count of assault and endangering the welfare of a child. She's accused of striking a five-year-old child using a tablet charging cable with enough force to cause marks on the child and injuring them. So I don't mean to sound insensitive, okay? Um, a child being hit with a charging cable to cause a mark on their body is like big and huge and noseworthy, and that was just like a Friday afternoon in my childhood. But I digress. It wasn't a charging cable, but anyway. Additional information about the child's injuries were not released. However, Densmore was transported to the Wayne County Jail for arraignment. That is the entire article. Wow, that wasn't very long. Our next article comes from the NewYorkPost.com. Title reads, I was too embarrassed to ask about the smell in my bedroom. It was a danger sign nobody should ignore. And then it says, something seems fishy. I can't. I can't. A young wife in Scotland confessed that her marital bedroom reeked of old fish for weeks before she screwed up the courage to seek advice, the son reported. Now, Claudia Anderson, 26, wishes she hadn't waited and is doing her best to warn others of the troubling reason behind the olfactory assault. What Anderson had worried might have been something embarrassing turned out, in fact, to be something very dangerous. The unpleasant odor was being caused by an electrical issue that could have caused a fire in her home. I have never in my blah, blah, blah years on this planet have I ever heard of a fishy smell because of an electrical issue. That's interesting. The sheepish spouse who goes by, I'm not putting her name on TikTok, posted a video of her cautionary tale late last month that has since garnered over 33,000 views. And it says, quote, fishy smell in your bedroom? Call an electrician! A bunch of exclamation points. She wrote in the caption of her video. Quote, here's something I didn't know about a potential electrical fire hazard until it happened to me. Now, for weeks, no, it says now for a few weeks, me and my husband were walking into our bedroom and thinking, oh, my God, it stinks of fish in our bedroom, she recounted to her viewers. While the smell was unusual, she said she didn't want to tell anyone about it because she was a bit embarrassed, as one would be. Oh, she's pretty. She thought her plumbing might be the source of the smell, but after checking her bathroom, she did not find the culprit. Quote, so we took out the U-bend from the sink, made sure the toilet was super clean, cleaned the plug hole in the shower, everything, she said, but the smell still lingered. She then consulted Google to see if she could get to the bottom of the horrid smell. Finally, a light bulb went on in her head when she read that an electrical problem might be the cause of the olfactory assault. Quote, I literally would never, ever have guessed that that is what that is. Ever, she said. So I messaged my brother-in-law, who's an electrician. He said, yeah, that's probably something you should get checked out, she recalled. Luckily, her father-in-law also used to be an electrician, so she called him to inspect her home, and he determined a fuse box was the source of the problem. Quote, there was a wire that had become disconnected, and I don't know if you can see, but it was actually melting the plastic on the inside of the socket, she said. Look at that. That is terrifying. We were so, so lucky that we caught it before that burst into flames. 
She urges people to call an electrician right away should they smell something fishy. The post reached out to her for comment. Commenters below her video thanked her for her warning, and some said the same thing had happened to them. Fish is an electrical burning smell, one said. Now, I have smelled electrical burning blah, 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 and it doesn't come across as anything fishy. It just smells hot, you know what I mean, but not fishy. So, I guess this is a learning opportunity, my loves. If you smell something fishy and you have bathed, and you have cleaned your whatnots and your tidbits, okay? And there's a fishy smell coming out of your bedroom? You better check your electrical shit, okay? Who knew? Who fucking knew? And then for our last article for Monday Morning Murder in the News, I couldn't wait to give you guys this one. This one comes from fox59.com and the title reads, Richard Allen's court hearing canceled after defense team withdraws from case. Richard Allen is the guy that's been arrested and and has been charged with the two Delphi little girl murders. And this is the one where, um, I've talked about it before, but the whole uh, Odinism, cultish. Okay, so it says, uh, update, the October 19th hearing has been canceled after Richard Allen's defense team announced they have withdrawn from the case. A new trial date will be set as Richard Allen no longer has legal counsel, meaning the previously scheduled trial date of January 8th of 2024 has been vacated. So Allen County, Indiana. On Thursday afternoon, Delphi murder suspect Richard Allen will appear in court for a hearing. Well, that has since been put off. Allen is charged with two counts of murder in the February 2017 deaths of Abby Williams and Libby German near the Monon High Bridge in Delphi. For the first time in the case, cameras will be allowed in the courtroom. And while media outlets are not allowed to live stream the hearing, the proceedings can be shown on a 30-minute delay. Oh, this is just saying that he had the hearing. The update is that his defense team has withdrawn from the case. And this, I'm sure, has everything to do with this Odinism stuff coming up, right? Because one of the girls had had a boyfriend. She's too young to have a boyfriend, but she had a boyfriend whose father was an ardent follower of Odinism. And he created art that was very much like the crime scene and so on and so on. So it just, you know, at first you we thought it was all kind of hogwash, right? But I guess it seems like there may be some level of validity to it. And now his his uh, defense team has withdrawn from the case. So it's like the days of our lives, guys. I don't know what's going on with this. I would just, I just want whoever did these horrible things to these girls to pay. You know, let's just get this shit done. But anyway, I just had to let you guys know that part of it. So... We've made it to another Monday. It's going to be okay. Thank you to all of the workers and people who worked over the weekend so that people like me who have the weekends off, thankfully, and I am thankful for that, um, can get our errands ran and whatnot. So your sacrifice of the weekend is appreciated. And the rest of you, we have to go back. We have to. I know. I know. We can't all win the lottery, right? Just try to behave yourselves. You know, Auntie Alyssa does not have bail money. And we'll get through this. Um, Last week was horrible, at least for me, for the 9 to 5. Maybe this week will be better, right? Let's try to have a positive attitude. Let's get through this. And have a great week, guys. I love you guys. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.